0: Hey Wolfies, are you ready for the bite?
1: And I remember going outside, before she made the decision, I remember going outside and I saw all the other actors there, but I saw Hosey with Dylan with Heck chatting. They didn't know each other, but all of a sudden they're chatting. They didn't even know that they were our favorites. And that it felt like a good sign.
0: Rewatching the pilot, I just thought to myself, this show has more dramatic pull-ups than any other show. Kate and I did some light stocking that led to us meeting Will.
2: Who is this handsome man <laughs> who wheels a crossbow so well?
3: I mean, I immediately fell in love with the character of Styles as soon as we see him. Boy
0: meets girl, girl's dad shoots him with a crossbow.
2: It's a tale as old as time.
0: Just being able to find so much joy in Teen Wolf.
2: Welcome to Return to Beacon Hills, a Teen Wolf rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Wallace, and I'm joined by Kate Colvin. And Calissa Mullis. Every week, we'll be watching and talking about the hit MTV series one episode at a time. And this week, we're talking about the pilot episode, Wolf Moon. If you're watching Teen Wolf for the first time and you're worried about spoilers, have no fear. This podcast is broken up into two sections, alpha and beta. The beta section is for first timers who are just now finding this awesome series and don't want to be spoiled about what's to come. The second section, Alpha, is where we go full spoilers and talk about not just the current episode, but the entire Teen Wolf series, as well as its place in the fandom. In the show notes of your podcast app of choice, you'll find time codes for the Alpha and Beta sections. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast, as well as on Tumblr and TikTok at Return to Beacon Hills. If you'd like to ask us questions or offer suggestions for future topics to discuss, you can email us at Return to Hills at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon at RTBH Podcast. There, our Wolfie patrons will gain access to awesome exclusives, like early access to episodes, full moon AMAs, the Beacon Hills Movie Club, where we watch and provide commentary for movies starring the amazing cast of Teen Wolf and featuring the work of our talented crew, as well as guest video interviews and a monthly watch party. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash RTBH podcast and join the pack. This week's howl out goes to alpha patrons, Rachel C and Kristen Konzelman. Thanks guys. Can y'all believe it that Teen Wolf has just turned 10. The show premiered exactly 10 years ago. I do I, I can't
3: even <laughs> just it's so crazy to me
2: feels like yesterday just watching it week by week even though i mean i knew it was gonna happen because i was working on the show and i had all the scripts and all that stuff but still just i guess i didn't mention this already in this episode but i worked on teen wolf i was a writer on teen wolf and it was fantastic and i cannot believe it. 10 years have already gone by since The pilot, this episode, Wolf Moon, hit MTV and launched this wonderful thing we call Teen Wolf.
3: And it's been seven years since Kate and I did some light stalking that led to us meeting Will. (laughs) (laughs) And there's just been an empty hole in my
2: heart since then. All right, well, let's dive into Teen Wolf Season 1, Episode 1, Wolf Moon.
3: So this episode was written by Jeff Davis, the creator of Criminal Minds, and it was directed by Russell Mulcahy, who directed movies like Highlander and The Shadow, as well as a ridiculous number of music videos that helped put MTV on the map. Fun fact, he directed the music video for Rand's Hungry Like the Wolf.
2: So what happened this week on Teen Wolf, Calissa?
3: While out one night looking for a dead body with his best friend, Styles Stilinski, Scott McCall is bitten by a wolf right before the start of his sophomore year. Scott is immediately smitten by the new girl in school, Allison Argent. While Scott had just been focused on making the starting lineup for lacrosse, he finds his world turned upside down as he begins to go through all sorts of physical changes, far beyond just puberty. Styles pieces together that Scott was bitten by a werewolf and is becoming one himself Scott begins to see the mysterious Derek Hale following him Derek saves Scott from some hunters who are after the werewolves in Beacon Hills Derek is also a werewolf and Scott believes he is the one that bit him at the conclusion of the episode Scott realizes his new crush's dad is the hunter that attacked him
2: bum 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 brutal ain't that just the way you know you start hanging out with like this super cool person and then all of a sudden their dad's trying to murder you
0: boy meets girl Girl's dad shoots him with a crossbow.
2: It's a tale as old as time. Exactly. Hey, do we have any favorite quotes for this episode?
0: We do. And it's actually more of a favorite exchange in this case. Yes. First, we have Jackson Whitmore, who's sort of the bully of Scott and Stiles' year at Beacon High. He is asking, with the kind of enunciation that only podcasters and high school bullies on TV have, where are you getting your juice, by which he means steroids, because he's trying to understand how Scott got so good at lacrosse all of a sudden. And Scott says, my mom does all the grocery shopping. And it's wonderful. And it, you you just instantly want to swaddle Scott.
2: Wrap <laughs> him up in your little papoose. Because, I mean, yes, he's turning into a werewolf, but he is just a little puppy dog. Scott is a wonderful, sincere, honest... Genuine, earnest he's a, individual. Yes. He's a genuine individual. And we had an honorable mention, and this was the one that... This is the quote from the episode that I love where in the scene uh, Styles is trying to talk to Lydia Martin who is completely oblivious to his existence and Styles thinks it's because he hangs out with Scott who's kind of a nerd and Styles says uh, I've been scarlet nerded by you and just a great quote. you
0: know. And laden with irony because if you're making this literary reference I feel like Yeah nerd. Methinks the nerd doth protest too much <laughs> you know. <laughs> we
3: can say that as English majors. Right. I, I'm,
0: I'm following that with my own irony-laden quote, because I'm definitely a nerd and I know one when I see one, Styles.
2: Awesome, awesome. Well, well, what do you guys think about this as a pilot episode to a new series? Do you think it, it does the job of introducing us to a new world and to the characters who inhabit the world and does it do a good job of kind of grabbing us by the throat and pulling us into this new story? What do you all think about that? Yes,
3: I think it does an amazing job. We came into Teen Wolf late, between season one and two, and And my grandpa had actually watched the pilot when it first aired. He was like, it's a really good show. You should watch it. I was like, well, I don't know if I want to watch this MTV show that my grandpa loves. (laughs) But he was right. It's really good.
2: Okay, let me ask you a question. If, say, y'all were back in high school, and then y'all were bitten by a werewolf, and you started going through what Scott is going through in this pilot episode. How would y'all handle that? How how do you think you would start using your burgeoning wolf-like powers and abilities?
3: Well, that depends. Is Derek Hale also part of my werewolf experience? Because I would (laughs) let him teach me anything he wanted to teach me, so I would not (laughs) be running from him and being all mean to him. I'd be like, yes, tell me more, Derek, about how this fight is a gift.
0: (laughs) Also, I should clarify that I am a very tactile learner. But, but I would say, <laughs> well, first I want to preface it by saying that the title of this episode is Wolf Moon. And that's also what I call my period. <laughs> and <laughs> Will is so uncomfortable right now. Um,
2: oh, please. My God. I've gone to the store to buy you tampons and stuff like that. This is that's nothing. True. This is nothing.
0: He's, yeah, he, he actually, I'm, I'm teasing him. He's actually chill. But the reason that I bring up that. Is that you know if you've been through that sort of thing either before high school or in high school, then waking up in a pool of blood it it happens. You honestly get used to it fairly quickly. You know fangs and claws, not so much. But I don't know. I feel like the principle applies when the changes that you're going through, and that's the central metaphor, right? That's right. Th- that was the central mm-hmm. metaphor of Teen Wolf the movie one assumes. I haven't seen it. And it's the central wow. metaphor. Okay.
2: <laughs> it's
0: the central metaphor for the show. So it makes sense that really, no matter what your anatomy, you're going through some really weird stuff when you get to adolescence, when you're going through puberty. In terms of how I would react, obviously I'd be really freaked out, but I also feel like I'd be kind of into it. If I could figure out how to control it and use it to my advantage, delighted to have more confidence around... Well, I mean, I had some things to figure out about myself. But certainly with guys, I would have enjoyed having more confidence. I would have absolutely loved to be able to compete on a sports team adequately. And that would have definitely required a werewolf transformation. I don't think I would have used it to peep on girls. So I will say that. Only because I have respect for them. But everyone makes mistakes.
2: That's true. When you're a stupid teenager.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Driven by by hormones and werewolf abilities.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I think uh,
3: there's a character in season two that I won't get into because spoilers, but you know, I feel like that would have been my experience. She goes from not too hot.
2: <laughs>
3: and it's, yeah, just great. Also, side note, I refer to my period as Shark Week because it's bloody, brutal, and men get devoured.
0: <laughs> and, like, kind of badass.
2: I like these nicknames. I like these nicknames. I think, I don't know, because, like, I was never really, like, into sports or anything. So I'm not sure exactly how I would use my my newfound abilities because I was, like, a theater geek, you know? Oh, God. So, What? Like, really? I know. It's hard to... I, I say I, I theater
3: too but i still judge him
2: <laughs> i know it's hard to believe it's hard to believe you look Nerd. at me and, yeah yeah you look at me and you're like wait he was in the theater classes like i don't know about that i think my life was a little too boring for like to get those powers i just would have been like oh okay i guess i can jump higher now so <laughs> that's I'll just jump up into the catwalk instead of taking the ladder and all that. But um well,
0: And I, I don't necessarily think that the physical aspect of it only applies to sports. I think it's that sense of at first feeling out of control. But yeah. then as you sort of settle into this new version of yourself, the thrill of what you can do and, and that doesn't stop at sports it's just becoming something new that sense of transformation that I think it's kind of a fantasy right no, but I, I obviously it has really. it's pros and cons because Scott is pure struggle bus in this episode he with is, his new wolfiness no,
2: yeah he uses I mean you know he uses his newfound abilities to accidentally listen in on Allison's conversation with the principal mm-hmm. and so he learns that she doesn't have a pen and so when she comes and sits down behind him in class he's able to offer her a pen which is totally cute but also, you can see on Allison's face, she's like, what?
0: How did he know? A
2: little bit, you know. And he does use his abilities to make first line on the lacrosse team, which is great. But at the same time, he also attacks his best friend when Styles says, I think you're a werewolf and you might murder people named allison when you go to this party tonight <laughs> and scott's like nah brah and then throws you against the wall and-
3: he totally owes him a new chair by the end of he the-
2: owes him a new chair i wonder if we'll see that like going forward in the show like if we ever go back into styles's room he just has that desk chair and there's just like some claw marks on the <laughs> that- back of it <laughs> or a patch (laughs) like he patched (laughs) it up
0: (laughs) and that scene is the first in a long line of Styles being shoved up against walls
2: Styles is a punching bag on this show but the thing is I think I think what happens is is that Dylan O'Brien is you just watch this pilot and you realize that Dylan O'Brien is like a master of physical comedy like his reactions are so good and there's no way you would shoot this pilot edit this pilot and then go to series he'd be like you know I don't think we should use him like that anymore it's like no no you need to lean into that as far as possible just because he's so his reactions are just the best to everything and he's very worried about scott he doesn't want him to go to this party and he's worried that his friend's gonna be overcome with this wolf bloodlust and hurt people
3: he's actually a teenager with the proper priorities where scott's like but i just met a hot girl and i just got to like actually play lacrosse instead of staying on the bench you're so mean (laughs) to make me stay home (laughs) i want to go to the party
2: yes yes styles does have his priorities in a very good place but in scott's defense i mean he's now the hot girl you know (laughs) and all of a sudden you know i I mean you know i mean I, i feel like any of us would probably go with what God did because it's like when all of a sudden you're just your normal humdrum self but then all of a sudden you're good at things and also a hot person is like we should hang out you should be like yeah absolutely we should do this thing is it super dangerous maybe but also awesome
0: I would like to think that I would say to myself, okay, but the werewolf thing is permanent. Therefore, I'm still going to be hot and confident a couple weeks from now, but also hopefully not a murderess. I'm not trying to do like a cell block tango, okay? (laughs) I'm now, one assumes in this scenario, super hot and therefore too young and too pretty to go to jail.
2: But if you did go to jail, I mean, you would own that cell block because you're like a werewolf.
0: That's true, and I would watch the hell out of that spinoff. By the way, that's just like werewolves in werewolf jail.
2: By I, the way. I wrote that. Remember, I wrote that pitch is called uh, "Team Wolf Renegades." We'll have to get into that at some point. Yes. Where it's
0: that's true. That's a perfect segue. to that.
2: <laughs> Yes, yes. So we'll 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 see if we can talk about that later. We we got a few seasons to go because that show had some characters we haven't met yet. So we're not going to talk about them just yet but scott does go to the party and he does have a good time for a little bit with allison they're getting all cute together and they start dancing but then all the bad things start to happen and he starts to transform his claws start to come out a little bit and he has to run away and leave the party and he has to make excuses to allison and and he just runs out leaving her all alone at the party but then a really nice handsome guy named Derek hale offers her a ride and i don't know about y'all but it seemed completely innocent and like nothing bad could maybe come from that happening
0: yeah no one seems concerned about the fact that this non-teenager gentleman has joined a <laughs> high school party but that being said if i were allison in this situation i'm not sure concern would be the top thing on my mind either so i would forget all about scott McHale. Michael.
3: scott McHale? yeah, yeah
2: I, I would too i don't think he's even on this show. So,
0: so
3: clearly... I would mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I forget his name. I'd be like, who? Scott? What? Scott who? <laughs> Scott who? <laughs> I was offered a ride by Derek Hill. I would not even think for another second about Scott.
2: But he would take you home, which Styles discovers, because Styles was worried about Allison and thinking that Scott would murder her horribly somewhere. He races to Allison's house and bangs on the door. And,
3: well, and, he was uh, worried that Derek murdered um, had murdered her, her, her because... Oh, that's right. I mean Yeah, idiot. because... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're all just idiots here apparently all idiots. Um, yeah,
2: i have watched the so, show
3: so <laughs> no so styles goes to scott's house to check on him and scott says you know i think i figured out who did it who bit me yeah and he says it's Derek hail and styles says oh that's who gave Allison a ride home from the party. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so Scott, you know, goes all wolfy to go try to save Allison. In
2: a great sequence, by the way. That, that's just a great sequence of Scott like leaping out the window in slow motion and all that.
0: Like doing backflips.
2: Yeah, backflips yeah. and stuff like that. It all looks fantastic. It's all in slow motion. It's beautifully lit and shot. And and what, what dear listeners, y'all are going to learn very quickly is that Teen Wolf knows how to shoot the the hell out of action sequences and horror sequences and I honestly feel like we were one of the best shows on TV that was able to do that on a small TV budget. You know, to make something moody and atmospheric and action packed all at the same time. And also super emotional because it's always all those things are always in service of the character. Because Scott looks great leaping out the window in slow motion and the makeup on Tyler looks fantastic. But it's all at the end of the day, it all goes right back to the character of what Scott is right. going through. So Scott tears off into the night following Allison's scent and he thinks he's gonna he thinks he's going to, to save her from Derek. But then Styles also goes to Allison's house to see if she's there and he discovers that Allison is home and she's completely fine. She's and fine. then went, what's it's that? It's a trap. She's, she's a trap. chilly
0: perhaps. But... Yes, she's <laughs> she's
2: a little chilly, but that's only because Derek kept her jacket and was using Allison's scent on the jacket to lure Scott out into the woods where they have a little bit of a tussle, but but Derek is clearly too powerful for Scott. But before really Scott can learn anything from Derek in that scene, a whole bunch of fucking can't believe I just oh, cussed. Oh, gonna have to, gonna, I just got so excited. Okay, I just got so excited. One
3: dollar werewolves. Man. Man.
2: I just got so excited by this show that all these uh, werewolf hunters show up and Scott gets shot in his arm by like this very you good know, looking gentleman. Very good looking mm-hmm. gentleman. And, and Derek helps him escape. And we get a great line from Derek where Derek tells Scott, the
0: bite is a gift,
3: Scott.
2: And of course, Scott's like, what? This is awful. What you've done to me. And, and I feel like that's kind of like a thesis going forward with the show. Because Styles does say earlier in the episode, he says, Scott, you've been cursed. And that kind of harkens back to the old universal horror film, like the original Wolfman, where the wolf it's man, like, yeah. the, where mm-hmm. it, it's a curse. This thing that has befallen you is a curse. But of course Derek is like this is a gift you harder know?
0: better faster stronger
2: exactly still kind of stupid but still you are these <laughs> other things too rough which is Brutal. great uh, hey, I love Scott Scott's it's all, in, all it's Scott. it's all in fun Scott's just a, a wonderful puppy dog and and the great and I would and, like
0: to point out in this episode he uses the word litigious he does, he does
2: use the word which litigious. which is a
0: great word
2: it's yes. a great word so he's not stupid i I, I misspoke he's just he is so his worldview yeah. Is so simplified. Again, mm-hmm. hearkening back to the where do you get your juice? My mom does the shopping that's, type of that's thing. That's that, yeah. that, that,
0: that yeah. Scott in a nutshell. That is Scott
2: in a nutshell. That it's just, he comes across maybe as a little, as kind of a doofus. Right. It's, he's it, a,
0: goofball. He, he's, he's yeah. a goofball. He's a
2: goofball. He's a, a lovable goofball. He, 100%. He is a lovable goofball who is now given this curse slash gift. And that's kind of how we're going to. I feel like how we're gonna move forward with the show is this constant give and take this constant battle of is the bite a good thing you know you got people like Derek who think yes this makes you better but then you have people like I think to some extent Scott and we'll see how he feels about it moving forward but like with Styles saying like you're cursed but Styles Do does still
3: think it's awesome
2: he does think it's awesome but I feel like he I feel like in the viewers you can't see me making like a needle going back and forth because this is a podcast with my hand, and <laughs> so I feel like he's kind of in the middle. He because like, yes. like, that, that like Kate, like what you said, like he's the responsible one. He's like, look, you've got, you just got a new sports car and it's totally cool and everyone's going to be super jealous when they see you driving down the street. It also goes a million miles an hour and you could kill yourself or someone and else. And others. And other people. You know, so it's yeah. like you have this thing that is both terrible and awesome at the exact same time. You know, how is Scott going to take this challenge? You know, how is he going to move forward with his life as his body is continuing to change and he's learning all these new things plus you're giving something great and terrible to a kid
0: a child and
2: kids are as we all know notoriously good at making the right decision all the time.
0: And understanding the consequences of their actions. Exactly. Every
2: mm-hmm. every teenager on Earth, when they make a decision, they have weighed the pros and cons and they understand the potential consequences of their actions. Said
0: no one. <laughs> and that's great that, that that's what they're doing here because it does end up being one of the central concepts of the show is that Scott wants to have the pros without the cons. And one right. of the most significant lessons that that he learns over the course of the show or struggles to learn, right, is life doesn't work that way.
2: Right. That there is a everything has a cost.
0: Yes. Everything right. has a price tag and yeah. you have to own up to that price tag because yeah. either you're going to pay it or someone else's. Yes. And I think that, that that is a big part of what the show's
2: about so it's like yes there's going to be a lot of great things coming with this but the dangers associated with it are real it's the monkey's part the wolf's part it's oh nice nice, well (laughs) done yes yes it's it's the wolf's part it's you get everything you want and more, but what are you losing in the process? I think moving forward as we keep watching the show and, and following Scott's journey, that he and us, that we will all be trying to figure out how to how to play that. What are the right choices to get the things you want and for there not to just be blood everywhere? Right. And I feel like that's going to make this a great Show We all want things desperately. We all very much want to be cool or athletic or...
3: Get the girl.
2: Get the girl or to be really handsome. I mean, I don't don't have that problem, but I mean, people get that. And then finding out, how do you navigate this awesome responsibility on top of you're also a kid who's in school and you've got a mom who we haven't mentioned yet, Mama McCall. Melissa McCall played by the wonderful and brilliant and beautiful Melissa Ponzio you basically got this wonderful you know in Melissa and in Styles and in Styles' dad Sheriff Stilinski you have this this, his
0: first name is Sheriff his first name is
2: Sheriff (laughs) Scott has this great safety net that he's been able to fall into in the past but will his claws mess up that safety that's not that's really stupid that's (laughs) an analogy Uh, will Ah, it's a burden I'm so handsome but just not so smart (laughs) There we go. No, no, no. End of the day, I think, you know, watching Scott deal with this, with all of these choices and follow this path that he's been set on that he didn't want. And it was just kind of forced onto him. Now have
0: greatness thrust upon them.
2: Yes. Some people, yes, he has, he's had greatness thrust upon him and now it's, he's got to learn about this whole new world. Right. And I look forward to us watching him navigate all that. It's going to be, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. All right, listeners, now we're going to jump into our interview with Russell Mulcahy, director of 40 episodes of Teen Wolf, including the pilot. Let's have a listen. Have you been able to start working at all or?
1: At the, well, at the moment, I'm, I'm, uh, there's a project coming up in a couple of months, but I'm, just, I'm actually finishing my third screenplay. Very nice. Yeah, I'm so pretty excited about that.
2: Awesome. Well, any, any more, any more stories you can put into the world, we are completely happy to have just because uh, always fun. That's very sweet. Well, thank you. Let's dive in, then. Team Wolf, jump on in, Calissa.
3: Well, to start off, what drew you to Team Wolf as a project?
1: I think initially was well, um, I love the genre, but I think the main reason was that I, I knew it wasn't going to be a remake of the of the film, the Michael J. Fox film. I I, I understood that it was going to be a reimagining of the story, uh, which which is always, always excites me. And and we 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 had a I remember when we were, we started in pre production whatever. Um, we had this mantra of scary, sexy, and surprising. And so we, we went along with the three S's and jumped right in. And at, at that stage, when we were, Jeff and I were, were in um, Atlanta setting it up, and it's a small crew and you know, not not a huge budget. And we always thought ourselves like the little train that could. We had a like little bunch of sort of like renegades out there, and off we off to do uh, the pilot of uh, Team Wolf. That's fantastic.
3: You directed six episodes in the first season. Which one was your favorite?
1: Well, I mean, I'm going to have to obviously say, maybe I'll give you two. Um, obviously, the pilot. The pilot obviously holds a special place in my heart because there's so many mem- wonderful memories of raising that that child, basically, and uh, bringing it into the world. Oh. Um, and, and the other episode that I, is very fond of me is uh, episode 111, I think. I think that's the one with the dance at the school.
3: Right, formality.
1: Yeah. And was attacked and. Whatever, it's all happening. And uh, I think Dylan's fantastic. They're all fantastic in that episode. It's a great episode. It's really, really good. The funny thing about the dance is that we, we all got up and the crew were so into it and the crew turned up that morning and they're all dressed up like for the dance. Even the caramel and the grips and all that, and was dressed up and it was all exciting. And then the people setting up, the whole party thing and whatever, and the lighting, nothing was ready. So 7am, we got there. We didn't start filming until like 4 p.m. Oh. And so we filmed the whole dance thing in like two and a half hours. It was like, I was just... (laughs) It was just crazy, crazy. So that's a fond memory of that crazy night.
2: The experience you've just described sounds like uh, the end of most of our seasons.
1: Sounds like like (laughs) every every day on Teen Wolf, yeah?
2: Yeah, that sounds like (laughs) a, a TV show or Teen Wolf especially. So
0: I know that you have worked on movies and TV shows do you have a preference in terms of how to tell stories?
1: I love storytelling. And I mean, as far as T V and movies, I mean the gap between the difference between T V and movies now is so it's come together so closely now. Um in that some stuff on TV now is, is is better than some of the stuff that would be in cinema. I mean it's just and especially in COVID times we're actually being fortunate enough at least uh, we get a lot of cinema films released quickly. But I, 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 I just love the format of making film, making stories, creating stories. And, but, I mean, my, my passion, even when I started doing the rock and roll videos in the 80s, you know, with Elton John's and the Duran Duran's and all those videos, is I always wanted to, I was a frustrated feature filmmaker. So before my first, I was doing these videos and I would crop the top and bottom of the thing and make it look widescreen because the TV was four by three format, and I wanted to it so and they had black bars top and bottom. No one else was doing it, and I had MTV call me up, and they said, "Russell, we just got this video of yours, and it's I think it's got like technical problems. It's got these black bars top and bottom, but don't worry, we've blown it up and pan scanned it, and it's fabulous." And I went, oh, "No, no, no, it's meant to, it's meant to be that way." Um, so I always wanted my stuff to look like a movie, even back in those days.
2: Pan and scan that. But- Really oh, we got our pan scan. Oh, it is oh, awful. I, I, I you tell can you I, always tell when you're watching it every time it hurt my heart. Russell, when it came time to cast the pilot, did you suggest Lyndon Ashby because of your previous time on Resident Evil? Or is that a, a coincidence?
1: Well, it was it was actually I didn't I didn't. Um it was a, a real surprise, <laughs> and a very pleasant surprise, uh, because we had such a good time on um RE3. And yeah, there he was, was, bang. bang. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it's so great because watching Resident Evil, he's like this this cowboy character and all this, and he's super sarcastic and all that. But then you you get uh Sheriff Selinski and he's you know just this very upstanding father and lawman and all this. And so it's wonderful seeing the rank right. and and to see him pop up everywhere because he's
1: Yeah, yeah. We were we were lucky like, we were lucky with the cast on the table.
2: What was the design process like for the werewolf in in the pilot like both kind of like the makeup that Scott wears but also the the big wolf that bites Scott who we kind of see Scott? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember um when we again when we just when we started I approached my friends at KMB effects uh Greg Nicotero and uh, and Howard and I'd worked with them on Tales of the Crypt and a few other things and also one of my movies Talus the Mummy with uh, Jason Scott Lee, so I probably, and then they just it was a, it was an evolving process, and like when you when you watch it, there's a whole there's a few things that I mean, for example, with Scott in the mirror, it's CGIs CGIs teeth growing a CG, but then you have a mechanical arm when he's in the bathtub, and there's a mechanical I mean, arm with people under uh, tires, sort or of, when the when the fat when the um, claws grow out of his hand, so that's a mechanical hand, and that was rather T- very tight space in this real house, and then another fang shots. There's a lot of KY. So it was. It was just a process developing the the look. Uh, we wanted something. We wanted a good looking young werewolf. You know, scary if he could look scary, but also you had to understand that Crystal, the the Allison, could fall in love with a Beauty and the Beast thing. You know,
2: excellent. And uh, and the makeup looks fantastic, especially.
1: They did a wonderful job.
2: Yeah. And I, I and it's one thing like I think you kind of miss it a little bit, but there's when Scott leaps out the window and lands in the water and it's all in slow motion, and all that you can see like the hair on his arm and all that. And there's like little it feels like there's just subtle things in the makeup that you have to yeah. when there's a close up, you got to you got to pause and really look at it because, it, it you know, there's so much action in it so fast that right. yeah, you might miss it. But they did such good work.
1: No, yeah, yeah. Well, those guys, those, guys, those guys are very talented at the K&B and and they have gone on, gone on obviously to do uh, uh, Walking Dead and you name it.
2: Oh yeah, every yeah, Nicotero and, and, and Berger. And I mean, they've done so much uh, stuff Berg, like, yeah. from Dustal Dawn and yeah, like yeah. so much stuff. I mean, it's all iconic. What about the big wolf that attacks Scott? We see him in CG a little bit. What was that design process like?
1: The story about the big wolf in the forest that attacks, it's, it's very brief. I mean, the costume wasn't like, didn't really work that well because it was, you know, we sort of ran out of money. And so it's basically a very dark shape over there, a very mysterious dark shape. And then we put CG with glowing red eyes. I think it's like six frames.
2: Yeah. So it just didn't work it, like...
1: It, it, it reminds me it reminds me of my first film, Razorback, when I came out of the film, they'd already built this bloody mechanical pig. And I went, okay, and it cost them a quarter of a million dollars to build this mechanical pig. And then he said, you have to film it, you have to film it. And so we did film a tracking shot, but going past stuff and it's, it's in the film for 18 frames. Yeah. A quarter of a million dollars, 18 <laughs> frames. <laughs> and the but the best shot of the pig was a real pig with a blanket over it and some rubber tusks and fantastic. It works.
2: Yeah. I See, love that movie. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love that movie. I, I, I don't think there's enough appreciation for that movie. Just how ambitious it is. I mean, come on. There's, yeah. Just the guy sitting in his in his house watching TV. And then like half the house is torn I, off the foundation and is pulled away. And the TV's still playing, you
1: know, and all think, this. I don't it's, think the film is that popular in Australia.
2: <laughs> oh, they gotta live with those pigs. So it's like, you know, you don't want to see the thing you have to deal with all the time. But that, that's a great movie. And I just wanted to say that in the pilot, but then also in, in the first season of Teen Wolf, a lot of the nighttime scenes in the woods just reminded me of. Right, raise your back of some of the nighttime stuff.
1: I I, I always like sort of like surreal landscapes, you know, like like the, the car and the tree and um and again again silhouettes and we had lovely time in um Atlanta. It was a nice forest on our. We had like a mini lot, didn't we? Um, we had the forest and we had Derek's house, which was basically a facade stuck in a barn, and it was all these different little locations. We had a little river down there. And it was basically our back lot.
2: We well, all used all the tools you had, I think, to perfection. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's quite wonderful. Thank
1: you, thank you. You're uh, welcome. Good team, good team.
0: When we talked to Jeff for this podcast, he talked a little bit about the budgetary constraints and, you know, how hard it was trying to figure out, like, how do we have this genre show look polished with the budget that we have? Right. But also that it was kind of a an opportunity to get creative. So I was wondering... Um, uh, were there any particular creative solutions within the budget that you came up with that you're particularly proud of?
1: The thing about a smaller, tighter budget is it it does invite you or force you to be more creative or really put the thinking cap on and and look at alternative ways of doing things. And we were constantly doing that. For example, like the scene, there were scenes when Scott was meant to be as a werewolf going through the forest on all fours, and we tried various just doing it and we couldn't afford CG. So we basically put got this wire about hundred feet and he got in a sling and basically they pulled the rope and he just went it <laughs> hardly touches the ground. Oh, wow. he, he's flying and we're tracking past trees and all that so, and then you cut the tighter, tighter, tighter. And it was very effective and not too dangerous.
0: So he was like, no, no,
1: he really basically. <laughs> just, a, just
0: a tweet. <laughs> well, I know particularly in, I think it's in pack mentality, right? When Derek and Scott fight and when Derek transforms, he like walks by a window so that what? the transformation is a little bit, it's blurred by the window, but it also kind of, it adds some mystique to it. Right. That just struck me as, you know, one of those ways that you can use the environment and not drive up the cost.
1: Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned them. That, that was I enjoyed doing that one. I, I love transitions of either scene to scene or transitions within scenes. I'm a big fan of that of that sort of cinema magic. That was fun. It was very simple. You know, we just you do a, a track with, with no makeup past the sort of mottled glass. It was mottled glass, sort of inspired by a movie, um, Last Tango in Paris. There was a mottled glass shot with someone's face behind it, and always I always loved that shot. So. Put in the model glass. He walks, and then we just do the shot again with him in makeup, and then you do a dissolve in the middle, and it's magic.
0: And it looks fantastic. Yeah, pretty, I mean, it's like, simple. yeah, that I feel like that was a great example of how Teen Wolf almost used those budgetary constraints to innovate.
1: It's a bit like the other visual transition we did in the pilot with when Scott's in bed uh, and he rolls over, yeah. and. And also, and all of a sudden, there's leaves there, and, and boom, and then you cut, and he's in a cave, um, and it was such a simple transition. You Just like frame the leaves out, and he's in the streets there, and he just rolls over, boom, and it was just like, damn, that looked good. I mean, you know, I imagine these things, and you say, okay, like, I'll do this, and but then you film it on the day, and you go, oh my god, that's better than I thought. I, you know, you actually shock yourself to how well it works.
2: It's my favorite transition probably oh, okay. on the show. Just it looks so good because it's you're not expecting it because it's this great moment. He's just jumped in bed and he's super happy yeah. and yeah. and nothing's good. He's like, I'm fine, nothing's and gonna go, go to, wrong. Go and he's like, to I'm sleep. Gonna... Um, yeah. Exactly. And then he just rolls over and he's in the forest. Was that now? Was that on did you have just leaves and stuff on the stage or do you take the pillow and stuff out to the location?
1: Oh, no, no, no because that, the whole thing is in the bedroom. Uh, because gotcha. it's like a, a, a medium tide of um of tile and he's in the bed and then we just put the leaves on on the sheet over here. So he just rolled over his pan and then there's a cut of him sitting up in frame and he's in the he's in the thing. So there is a cut after the leaves. Right. Um I I love the way you think that we brought the bed to the forest.
0: <laughs> that shows how well it worked,
1: uh, clearly. Well, yeah. Right. I mean it's like, okay.
2: Well, I guess it's because like the the leaves and and all that just look so wet and all this, so you're like, "Oh, it yeah. must be just that's the ground and not no, that's just the bed with leaves, and the art department did an amazing job, which they did. And so if you can't tell, then you've succeeded
0: right. it's so like it's it's disorienting a little bit to the to the viewer, but in a good way because that's that's how Scott is feeling. so that's kind of the power of this really visual
1: yes. storytelling. It was. Uh, it was. Yeah. The pilot can be a really. It just seemed to want to get made. You know, there was never any day where we were pulling teeth trying to try make the scenes work. The scenes just. Uh, I think Jeff did one wonderful, right, wonderful thing right here, and the cast were wonderful, and uh, so it made my job really easier, and I could just have fun doing things. And yeah, it just. It felt like it just wanted to be made. That's awesome. That's
0: that's a really cool way to put
2: it. Yeah. that's. Yeah. No, that's fantastic
0: I know
3: that a lot of the young cast it was their first time being leads on a TV show oh, yeah.
1: What,
3: yeah. what was it like working with them and directing them in the pilot was there a process developing the characters with them was there a lot of different experimentation
1: the casting process was quite long and but during the casting process ca- actors like Posey and Dylan would come in they'd do it but then we yeah you know, we have to see other people that don't mind we get, and other people would be good. And like for Dylan, for example, he would come in, he would do this, everyone everyone sort of did this obvious geeky performance, you know, it was a little obvious sometimes. And, but Dylan came in and did something quite unique and strange and, and then it was like, thank you very much, i see you. Here. And then Jeff and I would sit there and we used to call him Bobblehead because he did this weird sort of like. <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry, Dylan. I'm sure he knows this. And so, like that day or the next day, we'd say, "Have we been Bobblehead back?" <laughs> <laughs> and we'd only seen him on a YouTube video. I mean, he hadn't done any. And uh, yeah, and so <laughs> Dylan came, and my God, he's he just blew. it. He just ate that ate that roll up. And the funny thing is, when we had when we finally chose. Uh, Tyler Posey and uh, Hecklin and Dylan and uh, Crystal, the MTV casting person came out, flew out from New York, and she wanted to see three choices for each character. So we could give our, give our choice, then we had to give two other choices. And they did it, and they, each each actor had three, three actors, three actors, three actors, three actors. And I remember going outside before she made the decision, I remember going outside. And I saw all the other actors there, but I saw Hosey with Dylan with Heck chatting. They didn't know each other, but all of a sudden they're chatting. They didn't even know that they were our favourites, but it was really weird. And so it felt like a good sign. So we go in, she spreads out all the photographs, and she goes, that one, that one, and that one. And it was all our cast. And we went, oh. And she said, can I keep these photographs? She said, yeah, she can have copies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, that was a, that was a positive day.
3: They all have such great chemistry together. So yeah, yeah it really yes. shows that they seem to like each other off screen as well.
1: Oh, they do. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, a lot of them are still friends. I mean, you know, we're also friends with Posey and Dylan.
0: So this one's a little bit of a non sequitur, but I heard that Jackson drove your car in the pilot. Is that true?
1: Yes. What happened was, I'll never do this again either. The director of episodes. I did the first three. So Toby wanted to use Jeff's car. I had a Porsche, a silver Porsche, or grey, grey Porsche, and Jeff had a box of Porsche Boxster blue, and the director wanted to use Jeff's car, and that was great, but then he liked the mirror for a reflection shot in one shot. He liked my car, so he said, can I use your car instead for Jeff's? And, and I didn't really think about it too much. I went, sure. I didn't realise that <laughs> for the 12 episodes in Atlanta, Night shoots. I had I drove my car to the work I, because because in the other episodes I was more producer director I'd come in and check check out see if anyone needed any help or suggestions or whatever but I wasn't going to be there all day because I had to do other pre production whatever but with my car there I had to be there and 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 and, 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 and always Jackson had the last shot of the night <laughs> after fourteen hours I now do the Jackson car shot I'm going oh god <laughs> yeah. So never never let anyone use your car in a movie.
3: Along that line there, how did your cameo happen
1: in the pilot? How did <laughs> that come about? Um well one I always try to do little cameos in everything, but but the funny thing, the ca- that was done twice because we shot it in Atlanta and we didn't really think about it because everyone was watching um Tyler jump over the fence into the pool. And I'm there with a hose, a <laughs> garden hose, the shocked neighbor. And when we saw the rushes, I <laughs> It was too late to go. But we saw the rushes. When I was holding the hose, it was, I was having a pee in the pool.
3: <laughs> no. Oh, no.
1: Oh. So oh, that's not going to work. Um, so we had to reshoot in California as a little pickup.
3: So I'm someone who actually like hates sports, but you just made lacrosse so interesting on screen. And I was wondering, like, were you familiar with the sport before oh, we opened?
1: No I, no, I I, I played uh, grass hockey as a kid, and I had some bruised shins to show for it. No, it was, of course it was a very sort of sexy game, and it was all good, and but rather sort of tough to film because it was like anyway. Why, so you had to use every technique on demand with like CG balls speeding up, slowing down time, wire, you know, wire cameras. I mean, just like guerrilla shooting, grunge shooting. We try all different because you you wanted to make. A lot of them because each each game had told a different story so you try to find the style told that story that's the most important thing and also to keep it looking interesting because at first the first couple of episodes there was a lacrosse expert with us and apparently the guys weren't able to to bump each other that's right like against the rules and you' been to do this and this and it was like really it's like table tennis now. <laughs> and so, so so, we was going like, bang, boom, boom. <laughs> I mean, add a bit of American football in there. Come on. And oh, yes, yeah. um, yeah, so we had to do that because it was actually sort of a little boring. So, yeah, we had to add a little sort of visual drama and physicality to it. He would, I mean, he eventually warmed up to it. He said, hey, it's a TV show, whatever.
2: <laughs> it's
1: about werewolves.
2: Well, the werewolves he bought—it was just the <laughs> exactly. flagrant breaking of lacrosse rules that he was upset with. So, that's yeah, that's,
1: that's
0: funny. And it's funny too because in the in the second episode, Scott says, "Well, lacrosse is a, such a violent sport." So now I'm just picturing what like realistic lacrosse would have looked like on Team Wolf. Well, it would have been really different.
1: All the all the parents who've got young kids who want to play lacrosse—they're going. It's it's not a violent sport, but we made it look a violent sport.
2: You made it look good. You didn't make it look violent. It. You made it look good and dramatic. Thank you, Bill. Yes. Thank
1: you for bringing us back <laughs> down to work. Thank you.
0: So, Teen Wolf has a lot of these very like spectacular and action-heavy sequences, including the lacrosse games. Mm-hmm. But there are also a lot of more intimate scenes and you know quieter, more character-driven scenes, like the scene with. Scott and Allison at the oh. vet clinic when they're, you know, petting uh-huh. the dog. So that's do you thing. approach those kinds of scenes differently? And do you have a preference between one or the other?
1: I like both. And, and actually the dog scene in that was one of my favourite scenes in the pilot. I remember when we filmed it, um, Jeff came out and we said, that's exactly how I imagined it. It's a lovely, lovely, and that's a lovely thing to hear from a writer.
0: Yeah, I do love just that shot of the dog. I just because it's directed and edited so well, but it, it truly looks like that dog is giving Scott the judge face. <laughs>
1: So, (laughs) one of those those moments and yeah, thank God, yes.
0: So this kind of builds off of what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, Teen Teen Wolf was really visual in the way that it told stories. And as someone who has edited fan videos for different things, Uh go ahead and out myself as a nerd right there, but I have. I feel like (laughs) making fan videos from Teen Wolf is so easy because it looks so beautiful, but the storytelling is so visual. So when you cut it together, you can still kind of, even without dialogue, get an idea of like where the characters are emotionally and stuff like that. Um, So it's really easy, you know, to set to music. And so I was wondering, do you feel like your experience directing music videos informed how you approach Teen Wolf at all?
1: Making videos was was my film school. I didn't go to film school, so making videos and all 400 and odd, odd of them. Um, so that was that was my time to experiment, to try things, and, uh, yeah. And and, you, and you're talking about that you can turn the volume off and and watch it, it tells a story. I think that probably comes from when I was a, a teenager, we couldn't have, didn't have a car, and so we'd creep into the drive-in over the fence and watch, say, Barbarella, no sound, no sound, and just love it. <laughs>
2: It's a, I guess that would be a great movie to watch without sound because it's so, it's very bright.
1: Exactly, exactly. it's a perfect yeah. film to watch no sound, yes. Or you can put any music on you want and it's still good. Exactly.
2: Teen Wolf as a show and, and the pilot specifically is is very moody. What was the, the process like finding, like in the pilot, the look of the show that you wanted to, to tell? Like the uh, to find the look of the story you wanted to tell?
1: There's, there's a number of influences. I mean, the Derek's house is sort of like, sort of, one of sort of a psycho-y type sort of feel, and you know I'm just a great lover of the genre, so you know there's certain photographs I'd pull, um, tear sheets, uh, colours, and 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 yeah, so it was it was just a process of doing that. We had a lovely production designer. I think I think I think the freezing cold really helped too, because oh, okay. the, you know, the the breath, uh, yeah, because it was like minus whatever every night when we we're filming. And God bless, thank God those. The kids were young because they're leaping around the forest with no shirt on and it's like, and everybody else has got like, you know, a mammoth suit on with hand warmers and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, can you do it again? Great, thank you. I mean, I remember the, 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 the cold breath. There were sometimes times when two actors were doing were doing their scene and there was so much breath around, you go, is there anyone in the shot This is like, this white out.
2: There's a, a, a scene. I think it's. I think it is in episode three when Scott's playing his first game, where it's just you, you. I think you have like these tracking shots, and the wind's blowing, and it's just these long ribbons of of breath coming out of everyone. And then when Scott is uh, when he's wolfed out, but he's got his head down and he can't oh, see yeah. his face, but it's just these giant plumes of breath yeah. coming I out mean, of his I mean, mask.
1: It's, a, it's such the a, a beast. And it, yeah, I mean, it was just like, oh yes, that's this is good. It's worth it's worth freezing your bollocks off. Um, oops. Sorry.
2: Um. <laughs> well, it was, it was. It looks amazing. So I mean, it's it's again suffering for your art to get you know suffering this, for your art. Yeah. These beautiful shots.
3: <laughs> you said that you were working on finishing another screenplay. Um, is there any pro- current projects that you do want to talk about? And will we ever get Bait Two? Because I am dying for it. I love. it. Oh, really? really? Yeah.
1: It's a great movie. It's a great movie. That was one of my screenplays. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I didn't direct. Didn't end up directing. right. Yeah, right. yeah, Well actually I know I wrote it and then they brought it out. Oh, and oh, they all yeah. get the f- credit. But they they did that when I left after I left and they completely changed the story and at f- the beginning and whatever. So there's a bit of a sore point to it. But oh. and, yeah, I know because what happens well, I was in pre production down in Australia on it and we're building the sets and the, the shark and, the, the animatronic shark was unbelievable. It could swim in the water had a very one fine cable and it was completely automated it could go up and down boom, boom, stunning. It's a tiger shark with the tiger stripes. It's a North Queensland vicious shark and uh, very big. So when they, when I saw the, the film eventually, the actor in the in the set goes, "Oh my God, there's a great white shark in here. I'm going, what? A great white? What? They repainted it. Oh. Yeah, and I was like, oh, my God. And that's just one of the things I went, like, oh, my God, oh, my God. So there were some good things in it, um, but whatever. But what I did, what, what the positive part of that story is, I was down there in pre-production. It kept getting delayed, 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 delayed. And eventually at 3 a.m. in the morning, Marty Evelstein rings me up and said, Russell, we just got picked up the part from the pilot of T Wolf. Wow. And so I went, oh, okay. And so because the babe was just like looking like a disaster, I went.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and yes. then off we went, and for six seasons of Wolf. All right. Well, I
2: think that's it. Russell. It's been
1: fantastic. Yeah. It's, Thank uh, you. It's lovely, lovely, to meet you, ladies, and uh, and lovely to see you again, Will.
2: Yes. No, it's, it's wonderful to see you as well. And thank you very much for joining us. We have had yes. a, a blast doing this podcast so far. Fun. And yeah. you know, we had Jeff and we've got a whole bunch of people lined up. We've got Angela Harvey and Alyssa Clark and Dino, the composer, is going to be on here. It's oh, great. It's going to be a great, lot great. of fun. Thank you, you, Russell. And this was great. you
1: guys be well. Yes, you You too. too. Have
2: a wonderful night, sir. All right.
1: Thank you, sir. Bye-bye.
3: So now that we've had that fantastic interview with Russell Mulcahy, let's talk about the pilot presentation that Jeff Davis created for the show. What
0: is a pilot presentation?
2: A pilot presentation is basically a shortened, truncated version of a pilot for a TV show. Basically when a studio or network has decided to make a show, but they're not exactly sure they still want to make it, or they're still a little on the fence. Instead of making a full hour-long pilot, they'll do maybe like a half-hour mini-pilot. It basically contains all the major plot beats of the pilot they want to make. So basically, it's like watching a short film version of... The pilot, and then the studio network can watch that and then make the final decision about whether or not they want to make the show. And not a lot of people know this, but Team Wolf actually had a presentation pilot. calissa can you tell us a little more about that?
3: So yeah, that the script for this is actually available online, and the pilot presentation ends with Styles telling Scott that Derek is the one that took allison home from the party. So it ends there, and there is never that like confrontation uh, with Scott and Derek in the woods. And anything involving the hunters. It just ends with Scott kind of embracing his wolf side to go save Allison.
2: That's really cool. Are there any other differences between the yeah. pilot and the presentation?
3: Yeah, so Papa Stolinsky is just a deputy, which also, I guess that's true in the shooting script, so, but that's once it made it to the actual television pilot, he's sheriff, obviously. And Lydia Martin is no longer Martin, but Lydia Sayers. And she's a junior. And there's a female friend that you can see in the pilot for Teen Wolf that talks to Styles and Scott. Um, she's the one that says something like, "Oh, how is Allison already like
2: super popular, popular, and yeah. hanging out
3: with the cool kids?" And she's actually a named character in the script Rebecca Harlow called Harley and she had a couple more scenes that was pretty much the big differences that stood out for me there was a few other small ones I was actually looking at one of the articles that announced the casting for Teen Wolf and of course it was very much presented as response to Twilight the popularity of Twilight but with werewolves and it was funny one thing that stood out to me was the casting said that Tyler Hecklin will play a handsome local boy who is in fact a vicious and predatory werewolf capable of great harm
0: a local boy i love that <laughs> <laughs> local boy just sounds like what you would put in like a crime notice in the right. newspaper, like local boy implicated in burglary last month or something like yeah.
2: and by <laughs> boy sort of you're like phrasing. a nine-year-old right you know, As a local boy is an like a- adult man yeah exactly <laughs> A local man boy was.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was reading some of the character introductions in the pilot and the pilot presentation. That presents, it says, Derek Hale, 19, and unquestionably handsome. He has a rougher look than the cleanly shaven Beacon Hills Boys. I would also take a, like, band, boy band, uh, Beacon Hills Boys. The Beacon Hills Boys. <laughs> Beacon Hills Boys. I really loved way Styles introduced, which, I mean, I immediately fell in love with. With the character of Styles, as soon as we see him drop down and hanging from the Scott. trellis. Yeah. But it says, uh, feet caught in the trellis, Styles hangs in front of Scott, a 16 year old with boundless energy. He continues talking upside down as if this were a perfectly normal way to have a conversation. And I just think <laughs> that so perfectly sums up Styles. And mm-hmm. I love the introduction yeah. for him.
2: That, uh, Another difference between the aired pilot and the pilot presentation was that whole sequence where Scott's lacing up his lacrosse stick, uh, you know, his catchy, grabby, throwy stick. <laughs> and um, where he's doing that and he hears the sound outside and he creeps into the hallway and he sees his mom sleeping because she's just gotten back from the hospital and then he goes downstairs and through the house and hears stuff and then out onto the porch and then, and then in the final pilot there was actually shot I don't know no, when I say actually shot I mean like I don't know if they shot all of that and then decided to cut it time and all that but it's much more uh truncated and scott hears the sound picks up the bat goes outside and styles just kind of swoops down as if he intended to do that the whole time like so it's like we don't even know if they shot like him climbing up the trellis getting his foot caught and then falling down and all that (laughs) so who knows maybe that was just for you know expediency's sake and editing or maybe just when it got time to shoot the the actual pilot itself they were like yeah we don't need any of this still fun fun and interesting changes for the pilot
3: the pilot was just so fun because it was strange seeing a uh, baby posy at the start because now you know he's very different in terms he's got like all the tattoos very colorful and everything and he's yeah. just so
0: young
2: no it is interesting seeing him as a much younger man and then how he's grown
0: local boy <laughs> Rewatching the pilot, I just thought to myself, this show has more dramatic pull-ups than any other show.
2: There are a lot of dramatic pull-ups, and spoiler alert, this is not the end of dramatic pull-ups. No, it is not. This isn't a spoiler, but there will be some amazing Derek Hale dramatic pull-ups. Happening later that then seamlessly transitions to dramatic push-ups and mm-hmm. even one-armed push-ups. Oh. So it's uh... <laughs> yeah. the whole point of a pilot, you know, is to really introduce you to a new world and to a whole bunch of new characters. And I think the Team Wolf pilot is very good at that, and especially when it comes to Scott and Styles, because they're both introduced through what they want. The most at the beginning of the pilot. You know, we we when we meet Scott, he's lacing up his lacrosse stick because he wants to make first line this year. He's tired of sitting on the bench and he wants to make first line, so he's, you know, doing, as Kate calls them, dramatic pull-ups in his bedroom after he's laced up his stick. And he later tells Styles he wants to get a good night's sleep because he wants to try and make first line tomorrow. And Styles also is introduced through what he wants, which is to kind of just be in the center of the action and and this moment in time it's going to find a half of a dead body you know so it's just a, a great way to introduce these characters by telling us and showing us exactly what they want and who they are through what they want yeah would y'all think about these these character introductions
3: well like i said i immediately fell in love with styles he remains one of my absolute favorite fictional characters of all time. Him nice. and Martin Dingle are, like, right up there. Oh, my God. Throwback. Another wolf show.
2: Another wolf show. But that show had, like, the weird, like, wolf mustache Oh, he was thing. terrible. It, like, it was almost oh, yeah. like it was like a handlebar. <laughs> it was. <laughs> a werewolf their, mustache. <laughs> I loved that show, but, so... but their werewolf
0: look was heinous. For
3: anyone who might not know, we are talking about Big Wolf on Campus, which was yes. on,
0: uh, I believe it was Fox Family at the time, so it's yeah. it's more of a family friendly type show yes yeah.
2: and they were say. they were obviously aiming for because the show's wacky. Like it has it's like very, very wacky, wacky it's goofy. humor, goofy stuff. like if Carrot Top did a werewolf show, you know. Oh my God. And, wow. Um, and, well, don't, tell me I'm wrong. Tell no, me I'm not wrong. It's quite Carrot Top humor. Okay, right. There's not as much right. prop comedy, but still it was that that mold of just super wacky, you know. It, was, it, it had it, both
3: Cory's on it, I believe. Corey like Haim
2: and Corey Feldman.
3: Yeah, call back to like Lost Boys and like Vampire Hunters and stuff.
2: But yes, they fun. they intentionally went for crazy, like ma- like whatever's gonna make like nine year olds laugh and stuff like that. And or it did. We dude. can attest <laughs> from having I, been
0: however old we were. <laughs> I really felt
3: that Merton Dingle was my soulmate. So, aww.
2: It was just so great. Adorbs, but the were, uh, the werewolf makeup on Teen Wolf is definitely a a different kind of kind of makeup and, and all that. Just the look is so much yes. different, just because our show is a supernatural you know adventure horror show instead of just you know a werewolf with a backpack kind of going about <laughs> his day. <laughs> in were they in high school? Is that what that was? Were yeah, they in high school. Okay.
0: Yeah, I, th- I wasn't used on the football team. I don't the, know. the comparison actually that I wanted to make favorably to Styles. Is- is to Xander on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I'll put an asterisk on because people were harmed in the making of that production. But it it is a show that's very near and dear to my heart. However, Xander Harris being the main character's sort of nerdy male best friend is garbage. And I feel like the older I've gotten the more I've had trouble withstanding him when I rewatch Buffy because he is so self-centered and just unempathetic toward other characters. And that isn't to say that Styles is perfect, but I think that he compared to Xander is so much more of a likable dynamic Character and he shows a little bit of how that archetype has grown since Buffy the Vampire Slayer was on the air.
2: I haven't seen Buffy, so I can't agree or disagree with that. But. I completely Ugh. agree with oh
3: Kate. Oh my god! <laughs> I wish all of Buffy. As I said, it was like my first big fandom. Watching Buffy made me want to be a writer, Simply a writer for television, but writing in general.
2: Well, Teen Wolf was my first fandom. Like, I'd liked shows and movies and stuff before, but i had never gone on forums and stuff like that. Like, I'd never taken a dive into what people loved about a thing. You know what I mean? Like, I'd never, like, searched out other people who were into this thing other than, you know, like, because work, I'd worked in a video store for so many years and all that, that everyone was kind of into the same thing. And that's how we, you know, we talked about stuff. Of course, granted, that was over 20 years ago, so Twitter didn't exist. And also the internet barely existed, but... um <laughs> But but Teen Wolf was my first uh, my first fandom that I've been a part of and been great so far. I have no complaints. I'm happy I started with the bar really high. Because I'm sure it's gonna be completely easy to find another show that makes me feel the same way the show does. So
0: yeah. But you've also seen it from both sides of the fence because you actually worked on the show.
2: That's very true, which was really cool getting to work on the show and also experience it through other fans. And then, then through you guys, you know, getting to, you know, send y'all pictures and stuff or to get Calissa's name into an episode or something like that. So it's like, you're able to, you know, work on it, but then also see how, it's great because you're basically seeing in real time how your hard work affects people. Yeah. You know, it's like you were watching it happen because like, I mean, you know, we would have get togethers at Jeff's house for every episode. I would go to Jeff's house a couple hours in advance because the act- some of the actors would be there live tweeting the east coast feed of the show it's just always interesting seeing the machine that makes the thing that you love and then getting to then in real time interact with people who love the thing you get to work on
0: we had opposite experiences because you worked on the show and then kind of encountered the fandom and we were fans and then got a little bit of a peek behind the curtain and it's very exciting to see it on both sides. Really interesting.
2: I am jealous of y'all in that respect a little bit where you loved a thing and got to then, like you said, get the peek behind the curtain and all that. Mm-hmm. Cause I came at it from the other perspective where I loved the thing before even people knew it existed.
3: Well, I'm completely jealous of you because, like, my big dream was to write an episode of Teen Wolf, and you got to do that. You got to write five episodes. I got
2: to write yeah. five of them. Greatest job I ever had. It was I just fantastic. got to live
3: like, vicariously through Will.
2: Y'all got set visits, and we did. you know, I tried to make it as vicarious and real. As yeah. possible, because I, I did because it was so much fun. Because you know, like we were all becoming friends at the same time, and it was y'all were like the only people I knew who liked the show. It's like all my other friends and stuff from like my book clubs and then all that type of stuff. Like, I knew I watched the show. Like it was just y'all were the only people I knew who cared about the thing that I cared about. Like said visits or whatever, getting y'all on as extras and all that. It was just fun because I was getting to share it, excitement. It was
3: so much fun. <laughs> it was. I loved it. I just want to praise Will, though, for being, like, so amazing that, okay, because we, like, yeah, peeled back while it was, like, Like he was in the dark sides and stuff. We were like sending him, like, well, I did just for the fun of it It was like sending him stuff like Tumblr and like some very vulgar comments that people were making about what they would like to do with the characters and stuff. I would like send it to him, and he was just, yeah, there for it. He never, (laughs)
0: like, he was never like, please lose my number.
3: (laughs) Well, that's enough embarrassing will i think let's go ahead and get back to talking about the actual episode
0: oh we didn't talk about did we want to talk about lacrosse and why they changed it from basketball to
2: lacrosse it is lacrosse because jeff played lacrosse in high school i believe oh, I didn't know and, that. but lacrosse is very dynamic and you can film it like you can make action scenes out of it and you can definitely inject a character's emotional state into the game which you see very clearly in the Teen Wolf pilot. Because you have the the scrimmage going on where everybody's playing to try and make first line. And you can definitely see Scott's emotional state and his his burgeoning werewolfness coming out and giving him all these extra abilities that allow him to make first line. Much to Jackson's chagrin. And yeah, it's just more dynamic to watch. And, you know, Mm -hmm. plus they look cool. They look like knights almost with their helmets and their armor and and then their sticks and and stuff like that. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that, if anything, the directors on Teen Wolf, starting with, with Russell, really knew how to make shows scary and to make our action scenes intense and in your face, but exciting and dramatic at the same time. And definitely, definitely Teen Wolf excelled at that. One thing y'all might have noticed watching the pilot and you'll see it going forward for the rest of the first season is that Teen Wolf doesn't have an opening title sequence, which I believe is pretty rare for TV shows. You know, normally there's some kind of, you know, musical sequence where you see all the cast or you get at least all their names and for credits and all that. But Teen Wolf doesn't have it. It just has at the end of the teaser, it just says Teen Wolf. I actually love that. I think it's kind of cool where it just kind of snaps you right into the story and it doesn't kind of break the momentum of the story because you get the the teaser out the title and then you bam you're right into to the first act and the story keeps going and Listeners, as you'll soon discover, the stories on Teen Wolf move at a breakneck pace sometimes where it's Mm -hmm. never not moving. The story is always going somewhere. Someone's always on a mission. There's always something to be done. And uh, I like that. I like that fast pace. It really works for me. But like most TV shows that do have an opening title sequence has like a really great song that goes into it and a woman named Laura Webb was the music supervisor on Team Wolf for the entire run and she chose some great songs.
0: And that's clear right away from the pilot there's already some really great use of music like I I feel like the music during the lacrosse scrimmage in the oh pilot yeah, that's my favorite is great.
2: Yeah. It's very good. It's a it's a banger? Is that what you youths are saying these <laughs> days?
0: Oh my god.
2: That that it's that it's a banger?
0: Please, please no.
2: <laughs> Are y'all regretting doing a podcast with an old man now? <laughs>
0: 100%. 100%. This is my grandpa who I said liked the show from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> what a twist.
2: What a twist this was.
0: Oh, speaking of which, the ending when you realize that Chris Argent, Allison's dad, is the lead hunter.
3: Mm. Fantastic. It's fantastic.
0: Yes.
2: Just good. Because you've already had this, you've already, we've spent the entire episode setting up Scott and Allison and how they're clearly going to get together. I mean, let's just, just set up that way that these two are the kind of Romeo and Juliet of this story which is fantastic and then you have this really scary sequence where scott and Derek are attacked by people with you know freaking crossbows and it's really exciting and intense and scary and you see like the lead hunter and you're like oh my god is this this is the part he this is the bad guy of the of the first season clearly it has to be
0: Who is this handsome man? Right. Who is this handsome man
2: (laughs) who wields a crossbow so well? And then one scene later, Scott makes up with Allison and she's going to give him a second chance. And then her dad picks her up. And lo and behold, it's the same handsome crossbow wielding hunter that was just hunting Scott and Derek. And he and Scott make eye contact and Scott's totally blown away by it. And the hunter is just like, kind of gives him the smile, but you're like, oh my God, Scott, you're totally dead.
0: Yeah, Scott is is having, Scott is like experiencing an emotional trombone shot in that (laughs) (laughs) moment.
2: Yes, but it's a great way, it's a great moment and it's a great way to end the pilot. We've set everything up and so we've, we've kind of introduced everything. We've introduced Scott. We've introduced this girl who's really awesome, who he really likes. We've given Scott these amazing and terrifying new powers. And then we introduced the people who are going to be hunting this young man with terrifying and interesting new powers. And also that person is the dad of the girl he likes. It's kind of like you have all the things that you need to jumpstart a new awesome series. And that's exactly what we get in the Teen Wolf pilot. We get great characters and great story. And this, again, breakneck pace that just works. And we are definitely, definitely by the time Scott sees that that lead hunter is Allison's dad, we're we're along for the ride. Yeah, I remember, like I said, I'd read the scripts before the the show even aired for the first time, but you watching it on TV, kind of like you forget everything you knew. And then by the time you get to the end, you're just like, I have to have more, I need to know what's going to happen to Scott and all of his friends, and with the monsters, and I need it right now. And then you have to wait another week, and it sucks. But that
0: that was the nice thing about getting into the show after the first season had finished airing. I mean, we did still have to wait for the second season, but it was like, you get to the end of the pilot, and we're like, just keep it going. Just just hit play on episode two. I
3: want to say we watched all of season one twice before the second season aired yeah that's commitment but, yeah we have a bit of addictive personalities yes oh
2: i hadn't i hadn't picked up on that after seven oh,
3: years
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you just agree and go along with everything so
3: no. it's, yeah, i find we,
2: it's the we, easiest
0: we pretty much got to the season one finale and we were like okay let's uh start it over let's, let's run it again
2: folks this time with feeling
0: it really does lend itself so well to multiple viewings though Mm -hmm. That is one of the great things about it. And obviously we feel that way because we're doing a rewatch podcast, Mm -hmm. but you can pick up new things by watching it multiple times. All right, Wolfies, that wraps up the beta section for Wolf Moon. And now we're about to dive into spoilers, not just for this episode, but for the whole Teen Wolf series. If you want to stay spoiler free for all of the excellent stories to come, jump out now and we'll catch you next week. But if this isn't your first time in Beacon Hills and you wanna hear more, don't move a muscle. Here comes the alpha. What
2: are you trying to do? I I just made first line. I I got a date with a girl who I can't believe wants to go out with me. Everything in my life is somehow perfect. Why are you trying to ruin it? I'm trying to help. You're cursed, Scott.
0: That actually one of the, one of the things that I wrote down as things definitely to talk about the fact that Derek goes the entire episode and as it turns out more than one episode without ever telling Scott that he did not bite him. <laughs> yes,
2: yes, he 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 buries the lead on that one. He is when such he... a
0: spectacular little fail wolf. Like Aww. just say, at, at least say you didn't do it. Like he might not believe you. But you, you gotta say you didn't do it. Right. I mean, he's just communicating. He has serious issues communicating. He, he does. Yes. I think he is, he's reactive. That is his nature. Yeah. He's reactive, but you can't really anticipate what other people are going to do. Right? You, right. You, Scott wants to make his own way. Derek doesn't think that's an option. And I think the truth is it, it is an option. Yeah. You maybe shouldn't just dive headfirst without looking, maybe, like Scott does. And just, yeah. well, I'm just going to go on the date anyway, even though I'm a werewolf <laughs> now. It's fine. He's reactive. And so when Scott says being a werewolf is the worst thing ever, his own self-preservation instincts of just say that you didn't bite him are gone. He's too busy being sincerely offended that Scott said that about werewolves. Right,
2: yeah. He's truly
0: yeah. offended on behalf of his people. Right. As he should be. <laughs> you know, I, I just, like, when I, when I watch that scene in the woods right before they get attacked by the hunters, I'm just like, you know that you can say, I didn't bite you, and then say, also, that's werewolf racist. <laughs> like, you should start with, I'm not the person who bit you, and go from there, but that's exactly what he's like. He is reactive, to the core.
2: You are absolutely correct.
0: And it makes sense because in season 2 is when we find out that his anchor is anger, rage, which is super healthy.
2: Incredibly, I I cannot think of a single time that that has ever not worked out for someone.
0: That's right. I guess Scott kind of gets angry, but more in like a hormonal bursts kind of way. He's not yeah. an angry person.
2: No, no, not so at
0: all. So they just don't they just don't know how to communicate with each other. Well, a couple episodes later, Derek tries to teach him to
3: use pain to control himself.
0: Oh, my God. Which is just... A I, horrible I, okay. idea. Yes. No, <laughs> I, I yes, I'm going to say, as a writer, brilliant. It is. It's so elegant that Derek literally tells people, "You know how you should try to control what's happening to you? Hurt yourself." self a Terrible werewolf teacher, though. That everything that you do and everything that you are in any situation that you're in is defined by pain, and that you can derive some kind of control from that. It's funny because my shirt is actually the
3: uh, Derek and Styles School for Teens who can't werewolf so good, but <laughs> Derek should not. Yeah actually be in charge of the school for no time.
2: he no. should not no 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 Derek's clearly the wolverine of the x-men school he just comes and goes does badass and moves on and he punches styles in the face because styles is styles is clearly cyclops nerd nerd also
0: a lot of slash fake i think with those
2: Oh, oh i'm sure i'm sure that, how could there not be
0: that feels right there's tension do we ever see laura hale again after we see her body
2: well there's in a later season, when we meet Mama Hale, there's someone who people believe is Laura Hale who puts the cloak on her or something. But I don't think we ever see Lara again. Like she's, I mean, she's talked about, but I don't think she ever has dialogue on the show.
0: Well, if you're wondering if the fans selected a fan cast for Laura for fan videos and gift sets, the answer is yes. And it was Megan Ori. i was familiar with her. She was on Once, Once Upon a them. Time.
3: Funny enough, she played a little Red Riding Hood on Once Upon a Time, who turned out to be the big bad wolf. That's awesome. And turned out to be Bye, as I recall. Which I know stopped I, watching by then, but that was cool. You no, know I have <laughs> to. Later.
2: Checking all the boxes. <laughs> no, that's fantastic.
3: But, yeah, people uh, used a lot of clips from Once Upon a Time to make gift sets. With her as yeah. Because nice.
0: importantly, she has the correct eyebrows for the role. Yes.
2: The Hales do have bushy eyebrows. That's, I'm assuming, part of the casting process.
0: I was going to go with expressive, but that works too.
2: Expressive, bushy, caterpillar eyebrows. There. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard to keep them trimmed because they just keep growing back, you know, because it's like the healing process. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it makes complete sense in my mind.
0: Totally. Sure. I mean, like, the the first time you watch the pilot and you see Laura's body, it's scary and startling and dramatic. But then when you watch it again, it's still those things, but it's also sad.
3: Yeah. Yeah, you really feel for Derek once you know the complete story.
0: Yeah. And, and for Laura, you know, the... And
3: for Laura. What? But even though we
0: never... Her. Yeah. Even though we never meet her, I feel like we still... She's kind of the Rebecca of the story because despite being dead for the entirety of the story, her presence is so important to what happens that she still feels like an important character. Right. Um,
2: She's the instigating incident. Right. You know, it happens off camera or it happens off page, off camera, off story for us. But it's the thing that started everything is that, is that she came back to Beacon Hills and got killed. Yeah. And then that just brought Derek back and then, and that's how Scott kept it and, and everything, you know, it all just kind of tumbles from this one person's death, you know, just kind right. of sends an entire series off to the races. And Scott's, li- like, you know, Scott's life is completely different. You know, who knows what would happen if one little thing had been different and Laura hadn't died or something like that. It's like, well, we probably wouldn't be sitting here talking about this show.
0: It is fascinating uh, in the pilot when you can see a skyscraper in the background.
2: Beacon Hills again is the Springfield of Northern California. Just whatever you need, whatever your story needs, Beacon Hills has it completely.
0: I always wanted there to be some kind of weird, uncanny valley explanation for why Beacon Hills is so strange, like how it can have a skyscraper in the background and and a a bunch of abandoned subway tunnels and subway cars and and a half constructed mall. (laughs) Yeah. But I wanted it to, I wanted it to be intentional and and a thing like almost, almost a cosmic horror type thing. Like when you're in Beacon Hills, you can't, you you can't even process the fact that it's weird that these things exist. It's just, they just exist and your eyes like slide right over any anomalies that might alert you to the fact that there's something unusual about Beacon Hills, which was part of why I was excited about the nematon thing, because it felt like that could be a doorway into talking about what makes Beacon Hills unique. Like, maybe it's not a coincidence that all this supernatural stuff happens here, and maybe it's also not a coincidence that the actual makeup of the town seems almost contradictory. I wanted that to be a thing because I love that kind of cosmic horror type stuff. Yeah,
2: no, that stuff's good. And we, we played around a little bit with that, with a Wild Hunt. So you're able to have spooky small town but also urban city in the same place that somehow it's like these two things are existing simultaneously there's some sort spot. of
0: quantum entanglement happening in beacon hills
2: right yeah. exactly no 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 yeah that would have been a fun idea
0: did we talk about the full transformations in the wolfy vision we did not, not have the
2: that wolfy, wolfy vision. vision
0: that is one thing that changes we have werewolf pov shots point of view yes. shots in the pilot we have this red-tinted, wolfy vision that doesn't continue throughout the show.
2: Now. And I always found it kind of confusing too, is that all wolves see red, but only one kind of wolf has red eyes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it, it I feel it's a little confusing, but it's like you just don't need it after a while. I, and I totally get having it in the pilot because you want to have these creepy POV shots, but I guess you, you want the you want the viewer to know immediately who it is that's or what it is that's, you know, following this person or car or whatever it is. But that being said, there are some Shaky POV shots in Magic Bullet, where uh it's clearly like oh, a yeah. shaky POV following Kate's car, but it's not tinted at right. all. And I think their shots are fantastic. Like I, I'm not Yeah, really that a sequence fan. is great. Yeah, that sequence is fantastic. And I can't wait till we get there in a couple episodes. It's like having once you see that, because in that sequence you have tinted shots and non-tinted POV shots. And I'm just like, stop tinting. Don't we <laughs> we get it. Yeah. Well, you know, we get it. Like it's just we don't have to worry about this. Yeah. But it, it they do last for this first season and they might go into season two i'm confident by the time because you know basically because at some point we lose the makeup too we don't do full transformations and all that. It just goes to fangs and eyes and all that, which looks just as good. Like, I mean, it looks great. It looks great, you know? And I, I, again, I totally understand the, the impetus and the desire to do like some kind of transformation. Cause it's a, it's a person turning into a monster. So you want to make sure people get that they're turning into a monster, you know, and, and all that. But then after a while, it's just like, we don't need it. You know, right. it's like we, we got it. Mm-hmm.
0: Teen Wolf uses some creature feature conventions early on, and mm-hmm. then their utility kind of diminishes over time, and Teen Wolf doesn't really need them anymore.
2: I think lots of shows go through those types of growing pains, where it's just like you're trying to figure out what you need to best tell a story. Mm-hmm. And in the first season, they thought they needed that full transformation, and they thought they needed those those contact lenses because for a lot of the shots when you see their eyes kind of like fading in and out that's all cg but when they're not doing that and they're just yellow or blue eyes or whatever, those are contact lenses and then they realized we can just do this a lot cheaper or faster <laughs> with cg and it looks better like it just looks good because it, it gives it that glow instead of just their eyes are a different color it's like there's a glow coming from inside the eyes you know? kind of an and,
0: eerie mystical look
2: yeah it looks great and it, it's very eerie it's definitely not human. Because like you could see someone be like, his eyes were yellow, you know, and it's like, because he had jaundice, jaundice. or something. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. No, they were literally glowing yellow. You know, it's like so it it just has a different look to it. And it looks definitely better. But the same thing with just the full transformation. After by the time 3A rolls around, 3A is the last time you're gonna see that. I think we might see it once or twice more, but it's like for big moments or whatever, but not just when they wolf out. So instead of getting the full wolfy face, it's like, no, just fangs and eyes. We're good. Claws. That's all you need. Right. That's all I got. And most of the time we don't even do that. Because like, you know, all these characters are werewolves. So it's like, you really don't have to do... It kind of goes
0: to shorthand. You know, yeah, it's, it's like, shorthand. okay, audience, you get what we're doing here. We'll just exactly. pop a claw, a little bit of fang. That'll get it done. That's all you really need.
2: Especially since like, you know, starting with 3B, our other supers get pretty crazy. Because you're going to have mm-hmm. the Void and Oni in 3B. Ugh. In 4, Love you're going to get Berserkers and the Nawal. In 5, you get the Dread Doctors. And then and in 5A, you get the Dread Doctors. 5B, you get Dread Doctors and the Beast. And then 6, well, 6, the bad guys are human beings. They're just Trump supporters. That's all they are. Oh No, no, that's true. That's, ah. what, we talked to. that's what we talked about in the room. Did you really? Yeah. Well, it's because they're people. They're just who allow granted Beacon Hills is full of lots of terrible things, but they allow themselves to get cajoled and convinced by a very charismatic person to take up arms against other people who are different. Like Mm -hmm. they wanted to build a wall around Beacon Hills. I don't know. Yeah. So, but up until that point, like going back to the makeup and all that, it's like our other creatures get so crazy that it's like, you don't need to have crazy with the werewolves. Like we get it Mm -hmm. with them. So, I am so excited to get the three beats. My absolute favorite season. So, cause I just love Kira so much. She's my favorite character, but. Um, Kira's awesome. She's the best.
0: And her fight uh, style is sick.
2: It is. Oh my God. You can't see it, but my desktop is that scene when Kira was fighting with her mom in the classroom And she does that big leap through the air that's like just super old school wire kung fu stuff. That's my desktop right now. Oh, really? I love that. It's my favorite shot of the entire show. Yeah, I'm excited to to get to all that because we got a lot of great stuff coming up. I hope y'all are as excited as I am to keep going Incredibly excited. Excellent. 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 It's been a fun conversation. How y'all feeling so far? Between a bunch
0: of nerds.
2: (laughs) Nerds are the best.
0: Play us out. Woo!
2: And that concludes our look at the Teen Wolf pilot in this week's episode of Return to Beacon Hills. We hope you had as much fun listening as we did talking about all things Teen Wolf. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at rtbhpodcast. If you'd like to ask us questions or offer suggestions for future topics to discuss, you can email us at returntobeaconhills@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And don't forget to find us at patreon.com forward slash RTBH podcast for more awesome exclusives. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RTBH podcast, as well as on Tumblr and TikTok at Return to Beacon Hills. Join us here next week when we keep the excitement going with our look at Season 1, Episode 2, Second Chance at First Line, and have an amazing discussion with Barbara Vasquez, the costume designer for Team Wolf. Rate and review us on iTunes. Five star reviews get a shout out. Have a great week, and we'll see you again soon on Return to Beacon Hills.
0: Dude, it's piggin' heels.